57, but my message really doesn't start till 67, but uh, we can get a little bit of background information by maybe reading a few verses before it. But Luke chapter 1, and we'll go ahead and begin there in verse 57. And uh, I want to give you some things this morning as we uh, lead up to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, just a little bit on John the Baptist. As he was born just a little bit before the Lord Jesus, uh, just a few months rather. Uh, and so we're going to look at him, Luke chapter 1, as we begin there in verse 57. I've entitled this message, The Time Has Come. The Time Has Come. You know, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, they... Is uh, what is believed to be around approximately maybe around 400 years of silence where we didn't, uh, the folks didn't really hear, uh, you know, a whole lot from, you know, lords such as prophets and things like that that had been risen up. So when John the Baptist came on the scene, uh, it was definitely something that was uh, very inspiring and moving. And then, of course, right after that, the Lord Jesus steps on the scene. And John the Baptist, I tell you what, what a great man of God that he was. And uh, he was a man of discipline. He was a man of devotion. I mean, John the Baptist, he was, uh, he was a man of faith. I mean, uh, he, was, uh, he was a preacher of preachers, that's for sure. And we, one of the things that we see about John the Baptist, and we can kind of maybe try to relate it to our own life as well, is because uh, there's a lot of things that we can learn from John the Baptist as we think about, as I said, Christmas time coming up and us leading into the Lord, the birth of Christ, which we'll talk about next week. Uh, but as but before the birth of the Lord Jesus, we see John the Baptist on the scene, and what was his, uh, what was, uh, what was he here for? Well, uh, the Bible says that he was here to prepare the way for the Lord. He was here to prepare the way for God. He was here to, uh, in essence, be the one that gives the, the great introduction to the Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world, as he steps onto the scene. And I tell you what, he lived a very devoted, disciplined life. He was a, a faithful man of the Lord, and, and uh, the Bible describes him as a man that, that lived out in the cave. I mean, he grew up in the deserts and lived out in the cave. I would say that's a pretty simplistic type of life. Now, we're thinking about folks back then, too, that didn't have all the luxuries that we have today as far as air condition and, you know, and even heat and things like that. Didn't have television and radios. They were probably a whole lot better off. You didn't have internet, probably better off than we were today. And so, but they didn't have some of these things. And, uh, and, and, and so we see that John the Baptist, even though, even though that the world didn't have those things, there were still a lot of people that were going about their daily lives and doing their things. But John the Baptist, I tell you what, he was that one that lived. He was that, I guess he was that kind of guy that lived out, off the grid, if you want to say. You know, he was that, you ever thought about, you know what, I think I'm just going to start living off the grid. And ain't nobody going to know where I am. And uh, so he was kind of the guy that lived off the grid. And so he lived up there in the cave. The Bible said, talked about his diet uh, was, uh, uh, was honey and locusts. Can imagine that. Want to start eating some locusts and honey. Uh, we'll have that on our next dinner that we have here at church. Y'all bring the locusts and I'll bring the honey and we'll have a good time. Uh, and so, but that was kind of a, what his diet was, you know. And he was, I mean, he was just a man that lived a very simplistic life off the grid. But, but he was devoted and he, he loved God. And he had this purpose in his mind and in his heart to, to uh, prepare the way for the Lord Jesus as he was getting ready to come onto the scene. And so we think about Zechariah, his dad. Now, because we're going to talk a little bit about him this morning. Now, Zechariah... 
uh, his, uh, his father, he was excited that he was going to have this son because, you know, he was, uh, him and his wife were both uh, older in, in years and, and perhaps in their minds, much as uh, Abraham and Sarah were passed beyond the years of, of childbearing, and so, and because whenever he was visited by the angel, uh, Gabriel, to talk to him about him having a son, uh, that they was going to call John, one of the things that happened was, was he began to laugh and chuckle in essence and kind of wonder, I imagine, in himself. And he says, how can this thing be? You know, since we are stricken in years, how can this be? Well, because of his unbelief, uh, his mouth was sealed shut and he couldn't speak until the baby was born. Imagine that. Have you ever you ever wondered, thought, man, I can think of some people that the Lord might shut their mouth for a little bit, you know. Uh, but uh, but he couldn't speak there for several months. And he comes out of the temple, you know, he has this lack of faith, comes out of the temple, he can't talk. Everybody's kind of wondering about it. What in the world happened to him? What's wrong? And so here we are. We're going through the scene. Now, let's begin there in verse 57. John the Baptist is about to be born. The Bible says, now Elizabeth full-time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son, and her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her, and they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass that, uh, it came to pass, uh, that, uh, that day to circumcise a child, and they called him, uh, and they called uh, Zechariah after, and they called him Zechariah after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, Not so, but he shall be called John. And they said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name. And they made signs to his father how uh, he would have him called. They had to make a sign because he couldn't speak. And he asked for a writing table uh, and wrote saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed. And he spake and praised God. You know what I thought was amazing? After after John's uh, lack of faith and what the Lord was gonna uh, and what the Lord was gonna do for him in his life, of course, uh, his mouth was sealed shut uh, for several months there, and so as his when his mouth was sealed shut for all those months, did it? Uh, what, what what is one of the first things that he did once his mouth was open? He began to praise God. I mean, you think about this: if your mouth was sealed shut for nine months. And you was able to now, all of a sudden, able to speak. What would perhaps be some of the first words that you spoke? Well, what was one of uh, uh, Zacharias' first words? Well, the Bible shows it just simply that he began to praise the Lord. He began to glorify God. He began to praise the Lord. <laughs> I imagine he was thankful that he could now speak, yes. But he began to praise God and glorify God uh, because he, was, now he had this son. His name was John. He, he, the Lord had blessed him with this child and that the, they were not expecting. But God had moved and God had blessed. And, and God had a purpose and God had a plan for his son. And he was excited about it. He knew that God was going to use him and do some great things with his life. And so he was really, really excited that he had a son. And, and he was, that he had this child and he was praising him. And glorifying God. Now, whenever we get to, well, let's go ahead and finish verse 65. And the Bible says, And fear came on all that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea, and all that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. When we get to verse 67, we see that Zechariah begins to, in essence, give this prophecy. He begins to, 
uh, as his mouth opens up and he begins to praise God and worship God, he begins to speak these prophecies, these things that people held into their hearts. They laid them up into the hearts and, and pondered them and wondered about them because you got to understand there had been uh, hundreds of years now where they haven't seen a prophet rise up on the scene. They haven't you know, uh, seen uh, some uh, tremendous things such as folks back in the later part in the Old Testament had seen. There had been almost this, this time of silence that lasted, uh, they say, probably around 400 years until, until John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus comes on the scene. So you can imagine how excited he was and perhaps even all the people as they began to see how God was moving and God was getting to do something and things was stirring up. Uh, and I don't know about you, when things get stirred up, it makes me excited. And the Bible says there in verse 67, as Zechariah began to speak, and as he, as he began to give this, uh, this prophecy, as he began to speak to everyone, you would think that he would maybe begin to say all these things, maybe perhaps about his son and, what his, uh, and about how great he was going to be and all these different things. But he talked more really about the coming Savior than he did anything else. You know, I wonder why that is. is because Jesus is more important than anything. He was uh, excited that he was going to have a son, but that there was ever a message, if there was ever a message that, uh, that needed to be brought, it was going to be about the Savior. And so that's what he was really wanted to, that's what he was wanting to tell everybody about. And so let's take a look at the message of John the Baptist as it comes up here in verse uh, 67 and following. Uh, and let's take a look at it as Zechariah is, is preaching and giving this prophecy. What, are some, what was it time for? Uh, because that's the title of the message. What was it time for? Well, there, as I said, there had been 400 years of silence. What was it time for? It was time for uh, the Lord to do something in the people's eyes. It was time for God to demonstrate himself, show himself strong. And so he was going to raise up a couple of men to do it. One, of course, his own son. And there in verse 67, the Bible says, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Uh, there in, 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 in verse 69, And hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now verse 68 and 69, as uh, Zechariah begins to talk about this, uh, this great message, as he begins to proclaim... Uh, this prophecy, what is it that he begins to talk about? Well, the, the Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, but he also begins to thank God and praise God for the fact that he has visited his people and that he has redeemed his people. Now, where is redemption going to come through? Who is redemption going to come through? Well, it's going to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, the Lord Jesus was on the scene, uh, getting ready to come on the scene, just a little bit after John the Baptist. But John the Baptist was born, and what was he going to do? He was going to preach the remission of sins. He was going to prepare the way. He was going to get uh, the people's heart prepared to receive the message that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to bring. And that was that people would get saved, that people would follow him, that people would turn away from the wicked world, turn from their sins and get away really from a, from a, uh, from a, a religious lifestyle and follow the person of the Lord Jesus. You know, the devil doesn't mind if we have religion. You can have a lot of religion. 
devil don't mind if you have religion. You can have a lot of religion and still die and go to hell. Listen, it's not about having, it's not about religion. It's about having Jesus. Uh, and, uh, and so we can see here that in verse 69, what was it time for? It was time for the message to be brought. It was time for the message to be brought about the horn of salvation. Now, a horn in the Old Testament was symbolic of power. And so when he, when he talks about the Lord Jesus, what, what message is John the Baptist going to have? He's going to have a message about the horn of salvation. His message is going to be about Jesus. His message is going to be about the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus to forgive sins. The power of Jesus to give you victory in your life. The power of Jesus to change your life. The power of Jesus to, to transfer your soul from here to heaven on the day that you die. He was going to give a message message about the horn of salvation the power of Christ the power of salvation he didn't go into some big spiel about how great his son was going to be he didn't go into some big spiel about how popular his son was going to be he didn't do any of that he was excited he was going to have a son but what was it time for he understood it was time for the message to be brought about Jesus Christ how he can change someone's life how he can save them and give them victory the horn of salvation how powerful it was and there in verse 69 uh, his message was going to be about raising about uh, about how the Lord had raised up the horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David because that's where the Lord Jesus' lineage came through and went all the way of course back to Abraham and then we see uh, not only do we see in verses 68 and 69 the, uh, the manifestation or the visitation of the horn of salvation, which is Christ, but he was, his message was also going to be about, uh, as we look in verse 70 and following, the Bible says, As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. So he's talking about here we see not only is he going to be bringing this message, it was time for people to know about the horn of salvation. Listen, there's a lot of people out here today that need to know about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he can give them victory, that he can help them, that he can uh, lead them and guide them and direct them and bring them from those dark days in their life uh, to, to, to times of blessing and fruitfulness, that, that they can escape that time of barrenness and sorrow and that the Lord Jesus can replace saw that with fruitfulness and blessing and there's a lot of people out here today that feel like they're just living in a dark solitary lonely uh, barren life and the Lord Jesus offers so much more for that kind of soul and so and so the idea that the message has come the time has come for the people that are in this lost desperate condition to understand that there is a savior that can provide these things for them but also there in verse 71 that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us not only the man, a message of manifestation but a message of protection to show that God can protect his people I mean to show that and to remember how God took care of his people in the Old Testament there in the Exodus when God's people went uh, out of Egypt through the Red Sea even out there in the wilderness wanderings and as they went into the land of promise and as they were out there fighting those battles and, uh, and, and fighting the giants and as they were out there doing all these things 
how God was there with His people and how God was fighting for them and delivering them. But not only just back then, but I think even as we look at it today. A message of manifestation, but also a message of protection there in verse 71, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. You know, there are not only people that hated God's people back then, but there's people that hate God's people today. And there is a devil out here, a real devil out here that hates God's people today. But aren't you glad this morning that even though God's people may face, uh, may face some, uh, some battles with, with this world and even though we may face some, uh, some battles with the devil and his demons that we, that we have a Savior uh, that, can give us, uh, that can give us strength, that we have a Savior that can give us glory, that we have a Savior that can help us to overcome and to defeat these things in our life that can also provide us protection and safety uh, from our enemies. As the Bible says uh, that the Lord will in essence hide us in his pavilion. That special place, that place that is nearby him, that is close by. The safest place on the battlefield would be in the, in the pavilion. Uh, and so that is, where, uh, that is where we are in the safety of his pavilion. The Bible says there in verse 71 that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. I think we're also, we're looking kind of back in the past, but we're also reaching forward into the future uh, and thinking about the promises that God has made to his people and how it stretches forth from then all the way to now, going on into the millennial kingdom, how God promised that he would be there for his people and, and how God promised that, uh, that, that, that no matter what came their way, that he would always uh, have a, uh, that he would always have a place for his people. They wouldn't be totally and entirely wiped out uh, and so we see there in verse 72 when we see what else he was going to preach about the Bible says to perform the mercy I promised to our fathers now think about that for a minute to perform when the Lord Jesus was getting ready to come on the scene of course John the Baptist is going to be preaching this message about who the Lord Jesus is and what Jesus is all about and as he's preaching this message uh, part of his message is going to be there in verse 72 to perform the mercy promised to our fathers. Now, I think we can see a lot of that going back to the promises that, that he's made, of course, to Abraham and all of them about he was going to give them their land and how they would have an millennial king and all that kind of stuff. But think about this. I think it's a little bit more than that, too. John the Baptist, when he was going to be talking about preaching on the remission of sins, and when the Lord Jesus walked onto the scene, what was it that he said when the Lord Jesus came? He says, Behold the Lamb of God. The one whose shoelaces I'm not even worthy to, to, to lace. Behold the Lamb of God. That was going to be his message. To tell people to turn from their sins and to trust in the only one that can save them, which was the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see there in verse 72, what was the Lord Jesus going to do? Not only was he going to save his people and protect his people, but we also see there in verse 72 how he was in essence going to do it. And the Bible says to perform the mercy promised to our fathers. What would you, I mean, why would we look at that? Well, I think we also get a glimpse of Calvary there. 
I think we get a glimpse of Calvary there. One uh, uh, a promise that was made even back in Genesis chapter 3 where we see that uh, how when God was speaking to Adam and Eve that, that he said that there would be a, a man child that would be born. Gave some very brief information about it and how that there would be a promised sacrifice even throughout the Old Testament. Uh, how uh, that, that would come and, 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 and that would be a, uh, that would be a, uh, a blessing to the people and, 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 and Jesus in the Old Testament would have been the sacrifice that everybody looked forward to that we look back to today. This promise to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, a promised redeemer, one that would come and save the people, one that would come and redeem the people, one that would come and be their king forever and even on into the millennial kingdom where where God's people would rule and reign with the Lord Jesus. And then he goes on because there's two parts of it. He says to perform the mercy proclaimed to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Well, what was his holy covenant? Uh, You can look at that in both ways. I think uh, not only the not only the crucifixion of our Savior, but also in remembrance of what the Lord, what God had promised His people, how they were going to be in the millennial kingdom, how He would be there for them, and how all the world would come uh, to them in the, in the millennial kingdom. There in verse 73, He says, The oath which He sware to Father Abraham, that He would grant unto us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. In verse 76, And thou, child, talking about John the Baptist, and thou, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Now in this little section we see how John the Baptist, when he comes on the scene, part of the message that he is going to bring to the people. It is going to be about the manifestation of the Savior. It is going to be about the protection of the Savior, but the promises of the Savior, uh, the, the dedication of the Savior. It's going to be about the propitiation of the Savior, how he would save his people, cleanse them of all of their sins. It would be about the preparation of the Savior. It would be about the illumination of the Savior. It would be about all these things. This was the message that John the Baptist was going to bring on the scene to all the people. And there in verse, uh, and there in verse uh, 76 and 77, what we see is John the Baptist, in essence, talking about how the Lord is going to be the, the propitiation or the sacrifice to all the world. In verse 77, he says what is, what is going to be part of his message is that uh, the Lord Jesus, when he comes on the scene, he's going to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. John the Baptist would do the very same. He would tell the people how they needed to repent. He would look at the Pharisees and tell them how they needed to repent. He looked at the religious crowd. He looked at, he looked at everybody and said, listen, we're all sinners and there's some people out there acting like they're not and they are and, didn't, and you need to get your heart right. And so he went to everybody and told them, listen, how we need to repent of their sins, that we need to get saved and be born again. And that was his message. And of course, when the Lord Jesus came, what did he say? In John chapter 3, when he was talking with Nicodemus, 
He says, thou must be born again. That's the message. That you must be born again. John the Baptist was going to prepare the way and till the ground and make the heart ready. And the Lord Jesus was going uh, to sow the seed in the ground of the people's hearts. And the Bible says that to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. How was he going to do it? Through the tender mercy of our God. You know, it's only by God's grace, it's only by God's mercy that we're even able to get out of bed this morning, come to church or do any of the things that we do. It's only by His grace. It's only by His mercy. None of us woke up this morning and did the things we do uh, because we deserve it. It's only by His grace and mercy. He was going to bring a message of grace and mercy and the Lord Jesus was going to come upon the scene. And not only was he going to uh, give a message of grace and mercy and salvation and sacrifice and forgiveness and all these things, but he was also going to perform it on Calvary. He uh, He wasn't just going to talk about it. He was going to demonstrate it. And that was the message that John the Baptist was going to bring before the people to till the ground to the people's hearts. The Lord Jesus was going to sow the seed in it and then he was going to perform it because he said, if I be raised up, I'll call all the men to myself. And there in verse 77, he wanted to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for God's mercy this morning. So thankful for God's mercy. The Bible goes on to say there in verse 78, Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day day spring from on high hath visited us. The day spring, meaning the dawn or the morning. What is the Lord Jesus, the bright and morning star? The bright morning star is coming to visit his people. The bright and morning star is coming to manifest himself. The bright and morning star is, is, coming, uh, is coming out to shine amongst all of the people to be, to be the, uh, the star of David, to be the star of Jacob that shines there in the sky, to be the star, to be the star in essence that people follow that lead them straight to him. To visit his people, to manifest himself to the world. The bright and morning star. And there in verse 79, and what was the Lord Jesus going to do while he was here? Not only was he going to offer forgiveness and salvation, and not only was he going to do these things, not only was he going to uh, die on Calvary, Uh, And not only was he going to make sure that he kept all of his promises that he made to all of his people, going back even all the way to Abraham and all of that, but what else was he going to do? The Bible says there in uh, the Bible says there in verse seventy nine that he was going to give light to them that sit in darkness. He's going to give light. John the Baptist was doing the same thing as he was preaching about Christ, as he was preaching about the Savior on the way. As when he, when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, what was he doing? He was showing the people the light. And you say, What's it time for? It's time for people to see and understand this morning and through all and throughout the whole nation that the visitation has come. The Lord has visited his people. He has manifested himself. He is dedicated to making sure that he keeps his promises, the ones in the 
the past all the way to the all the way to the very end. He's the same today, yesterday, and, and forever. The Bible says that God cannot lie. I think he wants us all to see that no matter how crazy things get and no matter how bad things are, that there's a God in heaven that still sits on the throne. And the promises that he has made to his people, the promises that he has made to his church, that it will come to fruition, that we can trust in him, that we can lean on him. He will provide for us. He will direct us. He will, he, he will, he will give us everything that we need. I think it's the time has come for God's people to see that the Lord Jesus has stepped on the scene and that he offers salvation to anyone who will reach out and grab it in verse 79 that he is willing to give light to them that sit in darkness now if you're going to give light to someone then that means they don't already possess it and when you're without the Lord Jesus you don't have light when you're without the word, you don't have light. Whenever you are uh, outside of the Lord Jesus you don't, you don't have light because Jesus is light, God is light and so without the Lord, what are we doing? We are sitting in darkness in our life. And there's a lot of people out here this morning that are sitting in darkness in their life. Sitting in darkness, in sorrow, feeling like there's no hope and they're helpless. They feel like they're helpless. But the Lord Jesus is stepping in on the scene to offer them so much more. And there in verse 79, the Bible says that he, he, he desires to give light. To give light. Light involves understanding. Light involves illumination. Light involves the ability to be able to see. There's a lot of people out here, even then in their day, and people today that cannot see. They have no understanding. And every time the Lord tries to, every time the Lord tries to give light, the devil's doing everything he can to blind the hearts and minds of men so they don't see the light of the glorious gospel. And every time the Lord tries to throw the seed, the devil's dirty birds do everything they can to swoop down and take it out of a man's heart before it even has a chance to bear any kind of root whatsoever. And the Bible says that part of the message that John the Baptist and even the Lord Jesus was going to give was to give light to show that the Lord Jesus the horn of salvation will offer light to them that sit in darkness and he said to them that means everybody because you know what everybody sits in darkness if they don't know Jesus because all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God every man has gone his own way everybody's gone astray because we're all sinners and since we're all sinners, everyone that is outside of the light is sitting in darkness, and that is everyone. So the Lord is willing to give light to them that sit in darkness, which is all of us. But notice there in verse 79, those that are sitting in darkness, what are they doing? Are they moving? Are they active? Are they doing anything? No, they're just sitting. Sit in darkness. Those that are sitting in darkness, not those that are walking in darkness, not those that are active and busy and doing anything in the darkness, but those that are sitting in darkness. Because what is it that the Lord, what is it that the devil wants you to do? For one, he wants your heart and your mind to be blinded to the message of the gospel. The devil wanted the hearts and minds of the people here that John the Baptist was preaching to to be blind to the message of the gospel. 
When John the Baptist came on the scene, he was going to be preaching to the people and speaking to the people things that they hadn't heard in a long time. All that they have heard is all the stuff that the Pharisees had told them and come up with and made up over all these years. This Pharisaical religious system. And John the Baptist stood up on this, came up on the scene, ordained by God Himself, and he began to preach a message that was uh, that was very contrary to the message that the that the, uh, that the Pharisees were preaching. This religious system that they had made, and all these things that they had added to the law to make things more difficult for people. And so what did and so John the Baptist he was here as as well as the Lord Jesus to give light to give light to them that sit in darkness and that was what the Lord Jesus was going to do to give light to them that sit in darkness they're sitting not doing anything they're in darkness describes the state that they're in sitting describes their activity they're sitting in darkness, and what are they doing? They're, the Bible says, in darkness and in the shadow of death. And what's the Lord wanting to do? He's wanting to guide our feet into the way of peace. To offer direction. And Jesus in John chapter 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And John the Baptist was going to preach about how the Lord Jesus, when he come up on the scene, how the Lord Jesus would be the way, the truth, and the life, that he would be the path, that he would be the guide, that he would be the light that you can follow. And that even, that's even in our day today. When we don't know what to do, what do we do? We go to the Lord. When we can't see, who do we go to? We go to the Lord. When we want to know the way that we need to go, the direction we need to go, where do we go? We go to the Lord. When we feel like we're sitting in darkness and, 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 and we feel like that we're lost and we feel so lonely and we feel desperate and we feel sorrowful, what do we do? We go to the Lord. The Bible says in verse 79, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Verse 80, the Bible goes on to say, I'm talking about John the Baptist, that the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. You know, in the Christian life, not only do we sit here in the life of John the Baptist, but in our life as well. Don't think that just because John the Baptist lived some odd 2,000 years ago or better, whatever, that he was any different of a person than we are. Even the Bible says even like Elijah, he was a man of like passions as we. They were people just like us that had the same thoughts. They had difficult moments in their life, even times in their life where they wasn't so sure about what they thought was, they were so sure about. You ever been so sure about something and then a little bit later on you think, well, I'm not quite so sure about this. See, John the Baptist was a person just like us. You know, the Bible says Jesus said of John the Baptist, there wasn't a greater prophet that was born of a man, I mean born of a woman. You might be able to be born of a man now. I don't know, things are changing now. 
and no telling. But of, but, but, of, but of a man that's born of a woman, there's never been a prophet greater than John the Baptist. But not long after in Jesus' ministry, we see that when John the Baptist was in prison, and they came and told John the Baptist all the things that was happening, everything that was going on, and John the Baptist, here he sat in prison, said, go send messengers to Jesus and say, are you the one we're looking for, or do we seek someone else? I'm just telling you, John the Baptist, the great man of God that he was, the great man of faith that he was, in dark times, when he was sitting in prison, and it was difficult, had these moments in his life where he even wondered himself. So you translate that over into your life, and you just understand that there are moments and there are times when even the best of us and the great of us that we have doubts in our hearts and our minds because there will come moments and times that we are that we are sitting in darkness and we're wondering is God guiding my feet is this where I'm supposed to be is this what I'm supposed to be doing and there in verse 80 I find it interesting the Bible says a child grew and he waxed strong in spirit not only did he grow physically, he grew spiritually. And not, notice this. The Bible says that he was in the deserts till the day of his showing. He was in the deserts. He wasn't in the land of fruitfulness. When he looked over, when he came out of his cave, so to speak, and he looked out across the horizon, I'm not so sure if he saw all the fruit trees that maybe everybody else did. Otherwise, maybe he wouldn't eat the things that he ate. But he was living in the deserts. But even in the desert times of his life, God provided. Even in the desert times of his life, he was still growing. The Bible says he grew in spirit. So even in, in, in a situation in life where it didn't seem like it would be uh, uh, as blessed as maybe others in this situation of life where it didn't seem like where it was maybe kind of pretty meek and humbling and God was moving and God was working and John the Baptist was growing in his spirit and he was becoming a strong mighty man of faith and that would be needful for what he was getting ready to face you know, sometimes I think that we go through different things in life because God's looking up ahead and he says, okay, they're going to need some training for this. You know that? I really believe that. I believe as God looks up ahead in every single one of our lives, sometimes there are things that we face that lead us up to this place where God's going to bring us so that we are trained for it. Physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. The Bible says that he grew, he waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till, watch this, till the day. That's a moment of time. That's a, that's a time, the dead day. There is a time when, the Lord, when, when God was going to usher him out in front of everyone. 
There was a time when his ministry was going to begin. There was a time when his message was going to start. There was a time when he was going to be uh, preaching this great message that God had been giving him and training him up for out in the deserts. There was this time when God was going to push him out there and say, here you go. I think it goes to show you too that there is a time for every single one of us here this morning that God is working in every single one of our lives and God, and, 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 and in the midst of God working in every single one of our lives he knows the exact plan that he has for every single one of us at where, where we need to be and what we need to do the message that he wants us to bring And what he's going to train us for to get us to this certain point. Because listen, I tell you what. If you're not trained for what you need to do, it'd be kind of embarrassing. Now, you know, I would love to be, let's just say I wanted to, let's just say I wanted to be a, professional basketball player. Now I'm not going I'm not going to be hurt. How many of you think I can be a professional basketball player? Now let's just look with what I got. Now I'm not saying I couldn't because they listen Muggsy uh was it that little short guy that played for the Charlotte Hornets a long time ago? Muggsy Bogues or whatever his name was. He was a little short guy. I tell you what, <laughs> he did pretty good. But I'm not him. I'm just trying to say that God has a way of training us and building us and getting us to that point to where he needs us to be because he knows exactly what he has in store for us up the road. And in order to get there, you may have to go through some desert times. In order to get there, you may have to go through some times that may be a little strenuous. You may have to go through some, some times that may be a little more barren than maybe what you're used to. But regardless, there was a time when he was going to be out there in front of everybody. There was a time when he was going to be manifested. And what was he going to do? He was going to preach about the time that Jesus was, what, what, what Jesus was going to do. How he was going to save the people and give people victory and be their God forever. And that they could trust in him and believe on him no matter what. And I think that message is true for us today too. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come to you today. We thank you so much for the time of your visitation. We thank you for the message that you have preached. We thank you for your dedication, your protection, your direction. We thank you for your sacrifice and your forgiveness. We thank you th for your tender mercy, for giving us light. We thank you for showing us the way. We thank you for your truth. And Lord, I pray that all of us here this morning have received some benefit from your word today and that you have spoken to our hearts. And as the piano plays, I encourage every one of God's people
to do business with God before we leave. It could be this morning that you're looking for that guidance and direction. It could be that you're needing God to show you the way. It could be that you're going through some desert times. But understand in the midst of it all that we have a Savior that we can trust in, believe in, hope in. A Savior that is willing to guide our feet and give us light and understanding. A Savior that in the midst of it all, even in those desert days, is willing to give us mercy. For they're renewed every morning. It could be that you're here this morning, you're not saved, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. John the Baptist, as he was going to go out and tell people about Jesus, not himself. His message wasn't going to be about his own greatness. It wasn't going to be about how Gabriel came to my father. And it wasn't going to be about any of that. It was going to be all about Jesus. It was going to be all about behold the Lamb of God. And that's what I'm trying to show you this morning. I'm trying to say, behold the Lamb of God. Here He is. This is what He can do for you. Will you trust Him? If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, nobody's looking but me and God. But if you'd like to know Jesus and you don't know Him right now, or if you're not sure, if you're on your way to heaven, would you just slip your hand up so I can see anybody anywhere? Preacher, I'm not sure if I'm on my way to heaven. Preacher, I know I'm lost. Could be there's some folks out there this morning that are saying, Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm looking for guidance and direction. Sometimes I feel like I'm going through some desert days. But I know God's got a plan. Preacher, would you pray for me about that? Anybody like that out there this morning? Yes, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Anybody else this morning? Preacher, would you pray for me about that? I see you. God's got a plan. Know that he's there. You can trust in him. He'll hide you in that pavilion. Be your God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love never fails. Never fails. Everyone to their feet, every head bowed and every eye closed as we get ready to dismiss this morning. If you'd like to come to the altar, you can. There's something you want to talk to the Lord about up here. I encourage you to do so. If it's a matter of salvation, you come and talk to me about it and say, Preacher, I want to get saved. Can you show me from the Bible how I can trust Christ as my personal Savior? I want to go to heaven. I see that I'm a sinner and I'm lost. I'm on my way to a devil's hell and I want to know Jesus as my Savior. Where'd you come?
Thank you so much for being here this morning. Encourage you to come back tonight uh, for the Family Life series on things that benefit the family. My text is going to be in Psalm 127. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And so that's going to be the main part of our text tonight. Uh, if you want to know what benefits the family, I encourage you to come uh, and be a part of that. Uh, also, men, if you are wanting to talk about the men's Bible study, please don't forget to meet me up front. Let's be dismissed in prayer. Uh, Brother Tommy, would you dismiss us, please?